as possible. So as I see people come on, I'm gonna be saying hi to them. Uh, if you have comments or whatever, I, I wanna be able to connect with you guys because there's something about staying together even in the midst of this. You're not alone. We are not alone. We are better together. Come on, amen. So I'm gonna dive a little bit into to the word this morning. I'm so excited for this morning. You know, I was typing out the, the title of the live because he had me in so many different directions um, this week about this service. And I've just been chewing on a lot of different aspects. A lot of, I mean, there is not one service that can contain everything that Jesus did, not only from the cross to the throne, but the things that led up to the cross the things that he said and he taught, I mean, you can't contain that in one service. So I'm chewing on multiple things because I'm like, Lord, I just want to be prepared in my heart for this. I want to be prepared to release what you want to release at any moment, at any point. So I'm getting ready to type out what I, I think that today's service is, is all about. And, and then I go and delete it. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm just praying in tongues. I'm like, God, what do you have? And I'm like, what do you want to talk about? And he's just like, you know what? Their, their resurrection was because of my resurrection. Come on. His resurrection is your resurrection too. Come on, there's some areas in our lives. There's some areas in our lives that we thought not only were dead, but there are some areas in our lives that what or not only that we thought were dead, but that have been battered, abused, and spoken into in a negative aspect that we don't want to even touch anymore. Come on, come on, we we've been there. But God is saying this morning, His resurrection is your resurrection too. His life-giving power was not only able to to sustain that and to take that away from you, but to breathe new life into it at any moment of any point of the day. It doesn't matter if you've had hurts for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. It doesn't matter if it was a moment. It doesn't matter if it was this week, last week, or last month. God can breathe life into it. And all you got to say is, Lord, I lay down my life to pick up yours. I lay down my heart to pick up your victory. Come on. I'm laying down what I think I should be doing to pick up what you are saying. And there's something about saying, Lord, take this area of my heart. Take this area of my life. I, you know, I love how, how God has really done this and sort of really prepared the last couple of weeks because the floors is uh, Pastor Felix and Pastor Vicky were talking about uh, being uh, vessels of honor, but part of being a vessel of honor is getting out all of the old and all the negative and all the bad that way only good remains there's there's a resurrection that needs to happen a bubbling within that needs to flood you and overcome you and overtake you in those areas of your life and it's not in your spirit it's in your mind your will your emotions there's some emotional hurts that Jesus wants to resurrect and not just resurrect to say hey here's hurts he wants to bring them to the surface so he can breathe life all over it and so all that hurt all those beardedness is just washed away and wiped away and blown away in his presence because of what his love says over your life come on we have to let his love speak louder than our hurts we have to let his love speak louder than those past words that have been spoken over over our lives. I mean, there are things that every once in a while creep up in my mind that have been spoken over me ever since I was a little kid. Come on. And, and I have to take those things and, and like all of a sudden I have a remembrance of something that had so much hurt in my life that I put a mental blocker on it. Come on, have we ever done that sometimes? We, we purposely try to forget things because of what was done to us. And we put this blocker and we put this wall and we safeguard it and we hide it like a treasure. And we say, no, we want to store this away because we never want to allow this to affect our lives. But what we don't realize is when we bury that within us, it's affecting us more than we can even imagine because now we have a root of our hurt that we have now just covered and covered and covered and God is saying hey I want to dig up that hurt I want to dig up what was done so I can lay it 
and heal it by my anointing, by my oil, by my joy, by my love. I want to breathe life, my Ruah life, back into your area that you had heard. And that hole where you dug it up is now fresh life. Now is fresh ground. Now is a fresh spring of life in that area. And there are some times where, like, all of a sudden I'll see a picture of something from my past when I was a kid. And I remember some of those circumstances surrounded my day. And I have to go, Lord, I submit that to you. Part of picking up my cross and following him, part of laying down my life and following him is laying that area down because it's not mine anymore. Come on, my life has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that liveth within me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in Christ. Come on, my life is not my own. It's been blood bought. Come on, your life is not your own. Matter of fact, it's not even in my notes this morning, but if you have your Bible, if you have a Bible app, whatever you have, let, let, let's just go over to 1 Corinthians real quick. In 1 Corinthians 6, and, and this is even part of my notes, but I told you at the beginning of this, and this was even my prayer this morning, I've been chewing on so much stuff that this throughout this week that all I want to do is release what heaven wants to say. So in this moment, man, God is breathing this pretty loud. Your life is not your own. So if your life is not your own, is your hurt your own? Is your past your own? If your life no longer belongs to you, if it was purchased at a price, do you have the right to hold on to it? No, because it doesn't belong to you. It was nailed to the cross. Everything that was done to you was nailed to the cross. Every violation, every word, every curse, every wrongful abuse, every accusation, everything that was done in the past and maybe even today that was done to you was nailed to the cross. It was bought at a precious price. It was bought by the blood of the lamb. He was worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. And when we try to take that hurt and hold on to it for ourselves, we're saying he's not worthy in that area. Come on. That may hurt a little bit. That may have been like a spiritual uppercut, but it's the truth and it's the word. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says this. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. Your body and your spirit, your mind, your will, your everything, it belongs to God. It belongs, come on, your hurt, it belongs to God. Your past, it belongs to God. What you're going through today, what you've gone through this week, what you've gone through a month ago, what you've gone through a decade ago, what you've gone through 30, 40 years ago, it belongs to God. Jesus paid the price so you don't have to carry it anymore. Come on, we got to see this off of us so we can walk in freedom. Whew. Jesus, trying to be interactive here. Hey, there's Bridget on there. Oh, man, I love Bridget. Man, such an anointed, I love, I love the way she worships because she doesn't only worship with the right heart and a gifting and a call, but she wor worships with an anointing and the heartbeat of the Father, man. It's such an honor to have her do worship with us uh, from time to time. Uh, Ray and Jackie say hello. What's going on? I love it. Pastor Rosas is on here. Uh, blessings. I got to come on from Sherry Baker. <laughs> Sherry Baker Green, thank you so much. Come on, I'm trying to have an interactive Easter so we can stay connected. I see uh, Atorro on here, man. What's going on? Uh, my brother from another mother. I may not know you well, but I know you're of the same father. So come on, man. It is time to talk about the blood. It's time to talk about the life of Jesus. His resurrection is our resurrection too. Come on, we need to lay life down so we pick up his. Because if our life is not ours, what are we holding on to? What are we demanding our rights? Because I could have swear it says, love did not 
demand its own rights. Come on. John eleven twenty five. 25, I, I, I love this, and I'm actually going to read from my notes now. And I'm sorry, we've just been going by with the inspiration of where the Holy Spirit is going and leading in this, in this message. So I'm sort of hopping around just a little bit, but all with one constant theme, that his resurrection is your resurrection, that there should be no more hurt. There should be no more bitterness, anger, strife, pain, beliefs of old things that were said over you because those are not yours those have been resurrected matter of fact those have been nailed to the cross so you have no right to go to the cross and take them for yourself and the love resurrection that he experienced in his life is your love resurrection too come on the same spirit that rose christ from the dead dwells with inside of you and jesus said this he says i am the resurrection life he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And, 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 I, and, I'm, and I'm thinking about the people that he's saying this to. And, and you know, because sometimes we, we as Bible scholars read this stuff and go, oh yeah, I know exactly what he's talking about. But imagine that hearing that for the very first time and, and, and the work that it has to do on the heart. Come on, we have to experience this word fresh. We can't read it like we just read it over and over and over again and we never get true revelation out of it that way and it becomes head knowledge instead of a heart revelation. Getting a little coffee this morning. But he said, I am the resurrection. He who believes in me, this is John eleven twenty five. though he may die, he shall live. This is... If you were hearing that for the first time, not knowing anything about the resurrection or not knowing anything about the ministry of Jesus, what does it mean? I, I, I'm going to die, but yet I'm going to live? Wait a second. And sometimes what we do is we try to put it in our thought process and go, wait a second. Oh, okay, I understand what he's saying. He's saying, wait a, oh, excuse me. Wait a second. He, he's saying... That when we die, we get to live with him in heaven. Yes, there's so much truth to that. But there's so much of a deeper meaning to that too. He's saying that you may die in your flesh, but you get to live in Christ. Come on, I just quoted uh, Galatians 2.20. And if, you, if you've never read Galatians 2.20, another one that's not even in my notes right now. But let's go ahead and read this. And let's go ahead and experience this. He's saying, Jesus is saying, he's a resurrection. And when you believe in Jesus, so this is not saying that, hey, guess what? When you die, you get to go to heaven. Jesus was not saying that. He says, when you believe in me, you're going to die, but you're going to live. You're going to experience my resurrection all the same time because I am the resurrection. When you experience my resurrection, you get to experience a resurrection too. You get to get nailed to the cross. Leave your body there so you can walk in the fullness of everything he's going to pay for. You're going to walk in the fullness of what the blood bought. You're going to walk in the fullness of the kingdom of God. You're going to walk in the fullness of what Jesus has for you. In Galatians 2.20, it says this, For I am crucified with Christ. Though he may die, he will live. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet now I, but it's Christ that lives within me. So the life I now live, the resurrection life I now live, because if I'm living it in Christ, and Christ rose from the dead and is seating at the right hand of the Father, if he's able to be able to be right next to the heartbeat of the Father himself, if he's able to see the seraphim angels circling the heavens saying, holy, 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 if he's able to see all the angels' army and everything that heaven has and the streets of the gold and the pearly gates and all the glory of God that's in in heaven through the resurrection he says now I live in him I experience the same thing he experiences so if you're not experiencing that you're not living to the fullness of what he paid for 
He says, I have become your oil of joy for your mourning. Are you experiencing that joy? I laid down my life so you no longer have to have sickness, disease, poverty, curse, and bound to an old law where you try to gain your own righteousness. Are you experiencing the fullness of that? If you're not, you're not experiencing the fullness of his resurrection. That's why I'm so passionate about that he led me through all the study this morning through this. Because if there's any area in my life that's not literally fully living up to his resurrection, man, then I need to put my heart back in a check and go, wait a second, I'm dead in that area. And I need to pick up his life, his resurrected life in that area, and live to his fullness. Jesus sacrificed 100% of himself for you to live out 100% of who you are in him. Not 80% of who you are, not 90%, or even 99.9%. He gave his all so you live your life for him, in him and through him. Because your old man is dead and was crucified to the cross. I love, I love Galatians 2.20. Matter of fact, I was thinking about getting that tattooed across my forearm because it's, it's one of my life verses that I have to hold on to because I know who I was and I know who I am. But I know that who I even I am right now is still being perfected daily into the life that he's given for me. If I'm not living the life I now have, even in the flesh, if I'm not living in according to his resurrection, then I'm missing the mark in an area. Come on. Whew. Jesus. 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 Yes, Felix. Pastor Felix. And he released heaven within us. Come on. I love this inter interactive Easter, and he released heaven within us. Come on. And he, come on. It's not just being able to be in him, it's having fullness of him in us. It says, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Matter of fact, it said, the Godhead bodily dwells within us. And I, I, love, I love this in 1 John. It says, that you, if you confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, God abides in you. And you and God. There's a great exchange that goes on through that verse that says, wait a second, I believe that he's the resurrection. I laid down my life to pick up his life. And when I confess that Jesus Christ is the son of God, all that hate, all that anger, all that bitterness, all the, the, the past hurts, all the, the life that I thought was life gets laid down so I can be placed with inside of him and all of heaven gets placed on the inside of us. Come on, man. I love that. I love that. That was a great comment, man. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on. And this is why I love I love Colossians. If you have your if your Bible uh, just open this morning, or even if you're listening and you don't have a way to access your Bible, just open up your ears intently. Let let this go through your your eyes, your ears, and Lord, let it go into the hearts because this verse, if you grasp it, will get you set free in some areas. And come on. We should never live a lifestyle where we think we're set free in everything. Come on. We're set. Uh, let, me, let me explain. Don't hear what I'm not saying. We are set free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the truth sets you free. Come on. We are free spiritually, but we put ourselves sometimes in bondage in our mind, in our will, because we match our will up with other things that aren't godly. And we put ourselves in bondage in our emotions. And we get emotional about things because we've been believing more in the hurt than the resurrection. We've been believing more in hurt than the cross. And not recognizing that that hurt, even if you experience it in that very same moment, is automatically nailed to the cross. So that he redeemed you once and for all. If he redeemed you once and for all, that doesn't only mean your past hurts, but it also means your present hurts, and it also means your future hurts. 
As soon as you experience our hurt, nail it to the cross because that's where it is and that's where it belongs. Come on. That's what we're not free in in some areas is because we've chosen to take those things off of the cross and experience them for ourselves. Come on. Who we are, our spirit man, 100% free. Who we are, our born-again self, our born-again nature, our spirit man, 100%. It's incorruptible, the word says. It says in 1 John that it cannot sin. And it has been sealed until the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. That's how our body's been made, the temple of the Holy Spirit. But I'm talking this morning about things that are going on not only in your flesh and in your body that you choose to align with, but also in your mind, your will, and your emotion, which is called your soul. Man, our spirit, man, I, I could talk all day about your spirit, man. I could talk about the authority, the power, the victory, the freedom, and the liberty of who you really are in Christ and your true sonship but if you sacrifice your true sonship to pick up other things in your mind then your mind needs to be renewed in those areas because it's become captive to areas that's why it says don't conform to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of the mind there's still areas even though your spirit man has been made perfect and, and you, you're a thousand times bigger on the inside than you are on the outside your spirit man if you even knew how big your spirit man really is but he said i'm not talking about your spirit man he says but be transformed metamorphosis in your mind there, there, there's a freedom that needs to come in our mind in some areas. And that's why you have to go to the word. You have to go to the word. You have to go to the word. I'm telling you, there is freedom in the word because faith comes by hearing and by hearing. It's continuous thing in the word of God. If the truth sets you free, how do you know how to be free unless you get into the truth? And then you let that part deeply within your heart, in your soul, in your will in your emotion and your flesh you feed your spirit man and those old things that have been trying to get you trapped to bondage get set free come on there's some freedom there's some freedom when we literally look literally learn how to lay down our lives and pick up his instead come on we, we, if we don't see it, and we're going to talk about that here in just a couple seconds, if we don't see it, then we got to go, wait a second, have I laid down my life in that area? Have I laid it down? If I don't see it in my finances, have I laid my finances down? If I don't see it in my marriage, have I laid my marriage down? If I don't see it in my kids, have I, if I literally laid my kids before the altar of the Lord? If I... If I don't see it in my life, if I don't see it in my emotions, if I don't see it in my, my thought process, have I truly laid those areas down? If I don't see it in my workplace, have I laid my workplace down at his feet and says, Lord, my workplace is not mine. It's a blessing that you have given me. And now the life I now live, I live a resurrected life in you on my workplace. It changes the perception of how you deal with things in life. Because if it's not yours, then you need to live it differently. It's like if I went to somebody else's house, you know, I go to a friend's houses, uh, uh, actually friends are more family, but I go to family house houses, I go to the floors, I go to the Quaylar houses. When I'm there, I, I treat it with such honor and respect and reverence and care because it's an honor to enter into their house. The same way as we need to be able to realize that's how we need to treat our lives because if our lives are not our own and our body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, we need to treat it with honor and love and reverence and go, wait a second, this, this, this is no longer mine. If it's no longer mine, then I need to treat it differently than I have been treating it. I need to think about it differently than the way I've been thinking about it. I need to speak to it differently than how I've been speaking over it currently. Because sometimes I'll say, I'm sick and I am that and I am this. Come on. When Jesus said to tell us, die, it is finished. The veil was torn. The separation of sin 
between man and God was no longer there. You didn't have to have another man to enter into Holy of Holies. He said, forget all of that. I have now made you the Holy of Holies. I have now made you my temple. I am no longer being separated by sin, but I'm now making my throne in your hearts. We need to be able to treat it with that reverence and that respect in our lives in that way and everything that our lives involve around. But guess what? That's not only our lives, but that's the lives of others. We need to be able to honor that within others the same way that I'm talking about we should be honoring ourselves. We need to be able to say, wait a second, if God did that for us, he did that for my spouse, he did that for my children, he did that for the those co-workers on the workplace, he did that for so-and-so that cut me down with their words. Man, he is enthroned in their hearts, whether they're acting like it or not. So I'm going to speak to that. I'm going to live from a resurrected lifestyle that says, I am not going to treat them any way differently than Jesus treated people. Imagine that. I mean, the, these guys were after him to try to imprison him, to try to, to crucify him, to try to, to mock him, to make fun of him, defame him, try to devalue him. Matter of fact, there was moments where they called him a devil. Yeah, called Jesus working with devils when he was healing people to set them free. But even when Nicodemus one of the members of the Sanhedrin came to them and said, hey, what do I need to do to become born again? He didn't say, get out of my way, man. You and your life have been talking about me, blasphemy, and, and speaking badly, saying I'm working of the devil and saying all this kind of stuff. Man, you tried to capture me the last time I was with the crowds, healing people. Get out of here. He didn't say that. He spoke spiritual truths about how to become born again by fire and water. He spoke right to his heart because he knew his heart was already God's. He just needed to wake up to that revelation of it. Nicodemus needed to wake up to that revelation of it. We need to do the same when it comes to those that are in our lives. We have to speak to that resurrection within them. Now, it's up to them whether they want to receive it or not. If they don't want to receive it, that's between them and God. You keep speaking that resurrected life. You keep speaking the way that Jesus would speak unto people. You keep acting in love the way he acted in love towards people, whether they receive it or not. Because guess what? Not only is his resurrection your resurrection too, but his resurrection is their resurrection too. Come on. So many comments on here. We're trying to get back. Yes, our alignment is with heaven and not in this world. Amen, Pastor Felix. Come on, we got to align our mind. I was about to read Colossians 3. And I got distracted by what Holy Spirit was saying, and I'd rather have been saying that than, and then going on to what I wanted to do. But it says in Colossians 3, 1 through 4, says, Then if you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above and not of this earth. Seek those things which are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth, because you're resurrected. If you're trying to focus on the things of the earth, that means you're taking those things back off of the cross and trying to hold on to them for yourself. It says, no, I, I want a little something on the side. I, I want a little something, something. God, you can have all of this, but I want my something, something. And that something, something can be bitterness, it can be hurt, it can be, you know, looking at certain things you shouldn't be looking at, it should be acting certain ways you shouldn't be acting, it should be dealing with my money the way I want to be dealing with my money, it could be any area that says, I want to live it my way in this one area, God, but you can have everything else. He's saying, I need you to lay down that part of your life. So you can pick up my life. Because sometimes what we do is we think that life is so sweet, it can't get any better. And Jesus is saying this morning, wait till you lay it down and pick up my life in that area. And see how much sweeter and purer and truer it can really be when you lay it down and you pick up my life. 
in that one area of your finances or that one area of things that you've been looking at online or that one area of your emotions or that one area of your, your past hurt that you thought was dealt with, then when you lay them down, see that I won't make it you more fruitful and more prosperous than you can ever imagine. When you lay down those things that you've been looking at, man, see that I won't make your love life with your spouse even better and even sweeter. And when you say, man, those hurts that I thought I had in control, when he says, man, when you lay it down for me, I'll put it in you that you remember it no more. And when you look at it, you won't look at it through a lens of hurt. You'll look at it through a lens of joy, love, peace. Come on, that's the kingdom of God. Righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. I will give you a kingdom mindset over it. I will give you kingdom freedom over it. Come on, I will give you the kingdom resurrection power over it. And I will see those areas promoted, but we got to lay it down. And realize it's been nailed to the cross. It's been nailed to the cross. Come on. you got to beat that thing up with a big wooden cross. And say, I'll lay it down. Jesus. Jesus. Whew. Oh, man, it's an honor being over at your house too, uh, Jason. Uh, I love this. So nothing can conquer the conquerors. Come on, Jason. That's good, brother. That's good. Karen wrote, uh, they couldn't comprehend his goodness. Woo! Whew. Come on. If it didn't make sense to them. <laughs> Woo! Come on, we should be driven by love, Pastor Felix. Come on. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Yes, yeah, sever those ties. Sever those ties. It says the anointing breaks the yoke. But the anointing was purchased at the cross for us. So if we take it down from the cross, it's hard to have that anointing in that area when we cover it with ourselves in the la instead of having his anointing oil cover it. We cover it with our flesh instead of allowing his oil to cover. But those things need to be severed. That's so true. Come on. I want to speak to a couple areas just briefly. Uh, and then we're going to wrap this up. And I, I really especially... From this time right now, really think this is a, a key because we, we've talked about so many things this morning about laying down our lives to pick up his resurrection. Come on, in, in every area. But there's some areas in our lives, especially with everything that's going on right now. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some days where I, I look at, at what's going on, not only in, in the church, but I look at what's going on in families. I look at what's going on in society. I look what's uh, being said on the news, even though it's almost like watching the news is almost like reading a mad magazine. You know, you don't know what's real and what's not. Uh, and it, it, it's all just very skewed. But I listen to a lot of what people are saying because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I listen to what's being said, whether I know it's just a bunch of fear agendas or a bunch of manipulation, or a bunch of hurts, or a bunch of, you know, there's also a lot of great stuff going on, man. The church is awakening. The church is arising. People are starting to get this. People are starting to say, wait a second, I need to spend my my moments with the Lord. Mike Bickle did a, a phenomenal service over at uh, IHOP in Kansas City last Sunday. Got a chance to watch a good portion of that. And he was talking about, man, this is a perfect opportunity to pick up and walk out and become closer in that intimacy with the Father instead of so many other things that are available to us. And we we've taken this to stay at home as a shutdown period, but what's happening is people are arising. It's it, it's almost like that thing if the devil tried to cover us up, but man, we're breaking out and we're putting them back in his place and we're arising. So there's so much good that's happening at the same time. And I really feel specifically to talk to a couple of different points just really quickly this morning, because when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't go to the cross just for your sins. Don't get me wrong, going to the cross for your sins is probably one of the greatest things that happened at the cross. By taking and washing away and making you new and making you a new creation in Christ Jesus and washing away your sins, there's no longer a separation between you and the Father. It's one of the greatest things that happened, but it's not all that happened. 
Jesus did not die just so you can go to heaven. We talked about a little bit about that before when we were reading John 11. But what he also did was he gave you a complete intimate access into the Father by paying for your sins. The coolest thing about that is especially those that don't know what it's like to be a true father and those that didn't really even have a father to fall in love with a real father. I love how it says in Romans 8, it says, He didn't come to give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of adoption by which we are able to cry out, Abba, Father. What Jesus did upon the cross, he engrafted you in. Sometimes people right now especially are looking for identity. They're looking, what is going on? Who am I? They're doing a lot of self-examination. Let, let me tell you, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you, it says, if you believe in me and confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, God comes inside, he abides inside, he makes his dwelling place inside of you. And guess what? Then you become abode or abiding or your dwelling place inside of God. The coolest thing about that is your identity is a son. Your identity is not in your mantle. Your identity is not in your call. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, your identity is not in your work. Your identity is, guess what? Your identity is not even in your marriage. It's not who you are as a father, but it does affect those areas in a positive way. Your identity truly is as a beloved child of God, a beloved son. He calls us co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs means you're the exact same kind of heir. You're joined together as an heir with Jesus Christ because of everything that Jesus did from the cross to the throne. He engrafted you in because of that blood so that when God looks at you, he doesn't look at you through your mistakes. You are not your mistakes. Let that resound in you for a second. You are not your mistakes. I don't care if it was five minutes ago. I don't care if it was this morning. I don't care if it was yesterday, this week, last month, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. I don't care when those mistakes were made. That's not who you are. God sees you through the perfect blood of Jesus Christ. He sees you washed clean. And matter of fact, it says that Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you. He's praying over you. And so when Jesus is praying unto the Father and the Father is looking at you, he sees you not only through the blood of Jesus Christ and through the finished work of the cross and what Jesus did, he also sees you through the prayers that Jesus is praying over you. Come on, have you ever been in those moments where you don't think anyone else is praying for you and all of a sudden, just your heart gets so softened and there's a peace that comes upon you. I experienced some of this yesterday, even though I was just like sitting there just doing just doing normal day. I was watching a movie and all of a sudden the peace of God just came in and started flooding my hearts in some areas. And I'm telling you, that was because Jesus was making intercession on my behalf. Jesus is praying over you. You are not a lost cause and you were not born out of a mistake. You were born with a purpose and you were born again to be a son and the bride of Christ. But not only that, not only that, but the blood and the finished work of the cross has done so much more. I need you to understand this, that this morning, and I, I love I love this and I, I got so many different notes and, and so many different things that I can really say on the finished work of the cross. It, it, it dwells and bubbles so much in me and out of me that I had to write a book about it. But I love this. Poverty was taken at the cross. There are those that have been looking at their bank accounts in one way where Jesus sees it a completely different way. When you, and people are going, wait a second, Jesus went to the cross so I don't have to be poor? You better believe it. It says this, and, I, and I'll prove this through scripture because I'm not up here just preaching just to preach and I'm not preaching to get you to even give. I, forget all that junk. 
I want you to be free in areas because of what Jesus did. That's my heart. My heart is to see you live the best that God provided for you upon the cross. It says this, and, and you can find this in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. It says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though, though he was rich, come on, he was rich in heaven, he was rich, he for your sake became poor. He came down for this to this world and was made poor. And then guess what? God still blessed him. And he was still, his, his ministry was financially prosperous. And I can prove that through scripture too. Because think, think about it. When he was born, he sent magis, he sent the wise men to give him gifts. And those gifts had such a fine gold and, and myrrh and frankincense. Those things were valuable. I mean, they didn't come up and tip them with one gold coin. They had a caravan to carry this stuff. That means bags of gold, boxes of myrrh and frankincense, which were both valuable at that point in time. Jesus, through his ministry, was so uh, had, had so much prosperity within it that he had to have a treasurer. Judas, the guy that betrayed him, was his treasurer. You can find that also in scripture. Why would you need a treasurer if you're broke? But it says this. He says, yet for your sake became poor that you through his poverty might become rich. His sacrifice upon the cross, him laying it all down for you, gave you the access to enter into the blessing. Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says this, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of law, having become the curse for us, for his rest. Cursed is everyone who hangs upon the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon, that, come on, that the, he went and became cursed. He became poverty. This is scripture, interpreting scripture. Come on, I'm not going to take one scripture and tell you one scripture and make a doctrine off of it. Man, I'm finding scripture after scripture after scripture. Man, he became poor. He became cursed upon the cross so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentile and Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You receive the blessing and you receive the Holy Spirit. Come on, you received the original design of what he designed people to be. When he made Adam and Eve in the garden, he blessed them and said, be fruitful. So to grow and increase, to be prosperous, and to multiply. Proverbs, so the blessing that the Abraham came upon you because of what he did at the cross. He became poverty. He became poor. He laid down his life and took curse upon him so that you can enter into the blessing of Abraham. Now listen to what the blessing does. Proverbs, scripture interpreting scripture. Proverbs 10, 22 says this, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Come on, the blessing of the Lord makes you rich. That word rich is not talking about spiritual. You can look it up in the Hebrew. It is talking about financial provision, material and tangible things. The blessing of the Lord makes you rich. Abraham had so much blessing that came upon him that when four kings had, he had the opportunity of have four kings, gold, silvers, and slaves, and he gave it all the way, all away because he says, hey, I'm not going to say that man made me rich, but only that God can. He was so financially prosperous that not only did the prosperous blessing come upon Abraham, but it fell upon his nephew Lot, and they had so much that they had to split. He said, man, I got, I got so many servants. I got so much cattle. I got so much livestock. I got so much of this. I have so many tents. I got so much I don't know what to do with it that there's not enough room for both of us. So I'm going to give you the choice of the best land. Don't tell me that financial provision is not accessible through what Jesus did at the cross. Because I'm giving you three scriptures. Actually, I gave you about four or five. 
but it's all throughout the word. And I can sit here and probably quote 20 to 30 to 40 scriptures proving that you were made rich. So if you're not experiencing it, that's just an area that you have to lay down at the cross. Say, Lord, I'm laying down my finances and I'm picking up your resurrection life in this area. Show me how to become rich. Because it even says that God shows you how to be wealthy. Just throwing in another, another scripture. So that's six or seven scriptures out there for you. Not only did he go to the cross for your prosperity within your financial realm, but he also went there so you could be prosperous in your body. He went there to take every sickness, every disease. And I'm telling you, man, there's something on this. Come on. He took away every sickness, every disease, every cancer. Man, he took coronavirus at the cross. Coronavirus was nailed at the cross. Matter of fact, it says that he's, he's, <laughs> he's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. Come on, he's, he's everywhere. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He saw coronavirus before coronavirus even existed. He saw cancer before that, that, that strain of cancer even existed. Matter of fact, he saw it before it was even formed or thought of. Before they even came up in a pharmacy and says, I think I have a cure. Before even that, Jesus said, oh, wait a second. I already am the cure. He took it all at the cross and says, I am your great physician. It says, that, it says this, that I am the one that heals thee. Come on. He is. The word I am was describing Yahweh. Yahweh, Jehovah, our Abba Father is the one. He is the healer. Jesus paid for our healing upon the cross. It says that he took every sickness, every disease, every power, every might, every dominion, every principality, every name that was named in this age, and that is to come. So everything that's existing now and everything that could be, and he placed it underneath his feet. That's the lowest of the lowest of the lowest position. If you understood that the terminology back then, if you place something underneath your feet and it's so defeated, you're walking over it. If it's underneath your feet, the value of it is like dirt. That's how valuable it is. That's how, that, that's how much power it has. It has no worth. It has no authority. It has no power. It's been placed underneath the feet of Jesus. And you can find that. If you want to look that scripture up, go over to Ephesians 1, 21 to 22. I'm telling you, it is finished. Coronavirus is finished. The disease, man, whoever has cancer in their body that's been dealing with it, that's listening to this live, it's finished. It is, man, that cancer, I curse that cancer right now. In Jesus' mighty name, I command it not only to disappear and dissolve, but to never come back again. I speak the blood of Jesus over it. Matter of fact, I can find this over, over in, in Isaiah. Come on, Jesus. You want to know what he did at the cross? Go over to Isaiah 53 and read that a few times. Let that sink into you. It says that he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as if we are faced, faced from him. He was despised and yet we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Come on. I'm tired of carrying sorrows. He bore the griefs. He bore the sorrows. I am not carrying sorrow anymore. I am not carrying grief anymore. I am not carrying hate or hurt or pain or anger or any emotional thing or any emotional stress because he bore them. Bore literally means he put them on himself and carried them. He carried our sorrows, yet we did, we did esteem him as stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by whose stripe we are healed. Come on. 
by whose stripes we are healed. We are in peace. We don't have any kind of iniquities. We don't have any kind of chastisement. We are no longer wounded so deeply. It's like a bruise that's laying underneath the surface. He was bruised for us. Meaning it was laying those things that are hurt so deep. It's not even a surface hurt. It goes deeper and deeper and deeper as a bruise. He was bruised for us. Why would we ever want to pick it up? Man, I'm feeling this right now. I'm feeling it. This one ain't even in my nose. Go over Psalms 103. Here's another one for you. He went to the cross so you can experience this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that I have within me. Bless his holy name and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all thy iniquities. Who heals all. All. Man, I'm shouting a little bit. All thy diseases. He heals all of thy diseases. He heals all of thy diseases. Man, he heals all of... Man, cancer, you're gone. Sickness, you're gone. Pastor Felix, the things that have been happening within you, gone. He heals all of it. You're a hole in him. Jason, your stomach, it's whole. It's healed. All of it is done. All of it is complete. He heals all of it. Not a, We don't serve a part-time God. Man, I speak the healing of the Lord because of his resurrection power. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells within you. The healing power, the resurrected life power dwells within you. It permeates through your body because your body has been made the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it permeates throughout you. You can speak to every fiber or every bean and every organ and every intestine and everything that was done to you and everything that done by the doctors or wasn't done by the doctors and call it the temple of the Holy Spirit. It has to be healed. Man, I'm tired of letting coronavirus, sickness, disease, cancer, poverty, lack of identity try to triumph in this time. We have to understand that his resurrection is our resurrection too. And sometimes we have to lay it down to pick it back up. I'm going to go. You have to lay it down to pick it back up. Come on. You have to lay down your life. Going back to John eleven twenty five, 25. I am the resurrection life. He who believes in me. Do you believe? Do you truly, truly believe that say, he, he's the healer? Do you truly believe that he made you rich? Do you truly believe that he made you a son of God? Did he do you truly believe he was bruised for our transgression? That iniquity and grief and sorrow was placed upon him so we don't have to carry it? Do you truly believe that it says, Though that you may die in that area, that you may die, he shall live. Though you may lay it down to death, you shall live in a new resurrected life. Just like Paul said in Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I that I'm alive. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live. I've died. That I may live faith in the one of Jesus Christ. And the life I now live is because he's alive within me. Paraphrasing that a little bit. You have to understand that his resurrection let, let me explain how powerful the resurrection is. Acts comes, Pentecost comes, the Holy Spirit falls. They go and do what? They start preaching the risen king they started preaching not only the crucifixion, but the resurrection. Paul says that I preach Christ and him crucified because you can't preach the resurrection without the crucifixion. You can't preach new life without preaching death. That's just that you, because there had to be a death. There had to be a nailing to the cross so that we can experience new life. 
but the power of the resurrection, they went around preaching the crucifixion and the resurrection. They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have the word of God in the New Testament that we read, that we all, oh, we, man, we know the resurrection power, and we know signs, wonders, and miracles, and we know this, and we know that. They held on to the, the, the word of the prophets that spoke of Jesus. That's why everything was built upon the apostles and the prophets, it's because the apostles, the 12 apostles that went forth, and even Paul that became an apostle, and those that were sent forth as an apostle, looked at the prophets like Isaiah, like we just wrote in Isaiah, and Psalms 103, and prophesied about Jesus before Jesus went to the cross, before Jesus was even born, and they spoke out Joel, they spoke out Isaiah, they said, hey, everything that you've known, everything that you study through the prophets, it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And they built the church because they found Jesus in the word and they preached the resurrection. They didn't have the New Testament to stand on. They had the resurrection power. They had the prophetic words that were spoken about Jesus being the resurrected king and everything that he did for us. And they went forth with power, signs, wonders, and miracles because they believed in the crucifixion and the resurrection. And they said, if it was available for us, it's available for all. I'm going I'm to find them through the word and I'm going to preach it out to you through the word of the prophets. And as an apostle, I'm going to build his church and I'm going to let you know what the resurrection power has available for you. The new life that's available for you. That he took our sickness, that he took our disease, that he took our poverty, that he took every hurt, every pain, that we can experience joy in life. They preached the resurrection and the crucifixion and found him through the prophets. And they preached their life and life abundantly because they knew the resurrected King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the Prince of Peace. The resurrection power and the resurrection message is what was carried throughout the whole entire world and saw this world changed upside down. If we don't preach the resurrection into the areas of our lives and speak that over others, we have forgotten what Jesus did upon the cross to the throne because there's so much power within it. Tired of, of inspirational Tony Robbins messages with no power and with no authority. Have a form of godliness, but they don't have the power within them. Man, because they have to preach the resurrection, they got to preach the crucifixion, they got to find them in the prophetic word and speak life into people because it was made available at the cross and at the resurrection. His resurrection is yours too. And I love you guys so much. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to end it this morning by praying this over you. Lord Father, open their eyes to see. May you give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation that their heart may be enlightened to everything that has been made available to them through what Jesus did to the cross, to the throne. Everything that they are available to inherit as saints and sons and daughters of the Most High. May this be released deeply and richly within them. May this resound, Holy Spirit, let this resound deeply and reverberate deeply within their spirit that when they go, wait a second, I'm not seeing the fullness of God in this area, that they laid their life down in that area to pick up your resurrection power. Show them how. Remind them of the word. Remind them of the crucifixion and the resurrection and everything that you did for them upon the cross, Jesus, and everything that you provided with them in a new life. I pray this over them a blessing this week. May the blessing of Abraham chase them down, surround them, and take them captive. <laughs>
and pour out God's best upon them. I pray this for them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I love you guys. I miss you deeply. I wish I could hug every single one of you right now. I'm a hugger. And I love you guys. Big.